Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Uh, sorry, I wasn't able to do the show last week. We had some technical difficulties. Then I just had a whole lot of stuff to do. That kind of thing happens, but we biz act. Anyway, so a couple weeks ago, me and my brother, um, he does like photography and stuff. I went and uh, took some pictures. At some point, I'll probably share them with you. I haven't decided what to do with them necessarily, but we took some cool pictures. Anyway, um, and so what I was wearing for the pictures, I was wearing some jeans with what I was wearing, right? This is the first time in four months and shit, I could have got you exactly to the date, to be honest, if I had thought about this before we got here. But I had worn no jeans in quite a long time. So I go and I put on the jeans. And I'm like, where's the, where, where's the belt? I haven't worn a belt in four months. I have no idea where my belts are. By the way, Rashad Hicks in the chat room. This dude still hasn't found a barber. All of that bread. Come on. Yeah, you know me. I just can't come up with that $20. Or, 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 maybe, just maybe, I can't go into my own bathroom and find clippers and just take the whole thing off. Yes, I am here being held hostage. This is completely because there is, like, you can't possibly be the dumbest motherfucker in the world. You just can't. Anyway, I have no idea where my belts are. I don't know where I put them. Do you have anything else that you just haven't been able to find that was kind of a staple of your life? Like, I don't know if they buried under something. and I have no clue. But, like, belts are gone. I found a belt. But it's, that, that was a belt that I bought on a trip because I had forgot to pack a belt. But that ain't my belt. You know what I'm saying? Got no idea. My man's talking about them suits collecting dust. Absolutely. It's definitely saving me money on like re-upping re on, the, on the collection. We ain't really got to do that no more. At least not no time soon. But yeah, I like I just wonder if there's anything else that anybody has in their lives that just absolutely have just vanished because I can't believe it. I have no idea where these belts are. I don't know what kind of mission I'm gonna have to run. I'm sure I got some bright idea at some point that I might as well put them away because I wasn't going to need them anytime soon. You know what I mean? Because I was definitely not going to need them anytime soon. But like now it's kind of halfway a problem. Like I'm in this place, right? And I'm going to be honest with you. This is how you know I got more money than I know what to do with. Now, one thing you guys, and I think you guys who have followed me for quite a long time understand this about me. I'm a man of fairly minimal taste. I'm not out here stunting on y'all on a regular basis, right? I just don't exist in that space. It's not my get down. It's not, that's just not me. I don't really do that so much, right? Like where I flex having a dough is like being able to do a bunch of little things that are probably just kind of irresponsible. And this is one of the things that happens when you get to this point. Sometimes you got to do the math on when you've lost something or you can't find it. It's a different, do I keep looking or do I just get another one? And so this is a little different with the belts here because I know that the belts are here. The belts have to be here. But I just don't feel like looking for them anymore, so I'm going to order some belts. And you know what's ridiculous about that? I have no idea when I'm going to wear a belt again. When am I going to wear a belt? For what? That's not the kind of stuff I put on. I'm not sitting around a damn house. But who knows? Something's going to pop up and then I'm going to need a belt. And I'm going to have to wear this bullshit belt I got on right now. This belt is swagger free. Anyway, 
let us move on to your questions. Hey, JT, how stupid are you? Or how stupid do you think I am? Y'all be showing up here like thinking I'm about to get on a podcast and ask the questions for you about what's going on at my job. Like, do you, like, and people do this, and I just always wonder, what, what, how do you think that's going to go? Right? For you. For you. Because you curious. Because you nosy. Get out of your fucking mind. All right. First question. What did Nick Cannon think was going to happen? This is the only point that I'm going to make on this Nick Cannon situation. And I just, I, this is the, of all the things that went on with that and the ridiculous stuff that he was saying, the indefensible things that he was saying. um, Interestingly, while the anti-Semitism was undeniable, he was like just regular old white people. Didn't he the ones that he said was closer to being animals than they were to being like black people? Like that, I, I, that was the one. I was like, wow, that's really beyond the pale there, sir. Um, but I'm this. All I'm asking you is, is Professor Griff known for anything? other than anti-Semitism. Because I'll be honest with you, that's the only thing I know about him. Oh, well, no. I know two things about Professor Griff. One, Professor Griff saying that one time that the Jews are responsible for the majority of the wickedness in the world. That's what I know him for. And number two, I'll never forget when I was in college and my girlfriend, uh, I had gone up to her room and she was telling me about this dude that tried to pick her up at the mall and she goes in her purse and she gets this business card and it's Professor Griff. This is like 1990. No, this is two, like 1999 the year 2000. No, it's year 2000. The year 2000. And in the year 2000, she was 19. Anyway, those are the two things I know about Professor Griff. I just don't see how in this day and time you say to yourself on your podcast, I'm going to talk to Professor Griff about these matters. That just seems like a recipe for disaster on a number of levels, right? Never mind whatever like morality you ascribe to the things they were actually talking about. The strategy on it is like pretty poor. I mean, like to the point where I almost wonder if this dude was like trying to lose his job, if this is what he wants to do. Because remember, he he got a little, I don't know if militant's the right word, but he got a little bit more gangster with her his like at a point a few years ago. You remember that? He got to a point he was going kind of hard. And I always thought that part of it with him was that he just seemed so approachable and for lack of a better term, non-threatening. And who knows? He felt like maybe he thought these white folks were trying to play him. I have no idea, but he went a little harder with it. But going harder is one thing. Going farther is another. And he was far. He was way far. With Professor Griff. Hey, here's a question I have about that podcast, because obviously I haven't like actually listened to it. I just know about you know the parts of it. If this is what Nick Cannon was saying, what was Professor Griff saying? Because, like, if Professor Griff says something like that, that's not news. You know what I mean? Like, nobody really cares about and, and I feel like the reporting and the discussion that's been done about Nick Cannon on this stuff has been based on whatever people have taken snippets of and put it on Twitter. I would be very curious to know, like, have any, has, is there anybody who is listening to this right now that actually listened to the podcast or, like, watched it in its entirety? Cause I don't know. Like, I don't know how many downloads Nick Cannon's doing on that podcast. It's possible he out here like smoking me. I got no clue. I had never, I wasn't aware of it. I don't hear people talk about it, any of that, but I'm just very curious. What in the world professor Griff had to say after that? Like how crazy would it be if Nick Cannon started talking all of that and professor Griff having learned his lesson over time was like, Ooh, let's talk about something else. And then he was like, nah, nah, nah. I want to talk about this some more. Professor Griff is like, no, actually, you know, I, I think you've made your point, Nick. No, I have more to say. 
Yeah, somebody said here uh, that they watched it, that Professor Griff just nodding his head. He didn't really say much. Is it possible that Professor Griff set our man up to talk himself off the plank? Maybe that's how it went down? I don't know. I don't know. But it was just such awful stuff from top to bottom. I was like, dude, what are you doing? That's why he said Professor Griff, the responsible one of the dynamic. Hey, man, Professor Griff, he got some years on him, man. Some wisdom. You know what I'm saying? He done took a few spins around the earth. Like, he'd been here. He'd been here a few times. I uh, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Bo. I am moving into my first expensive and big-time apartment in the hip part of town. What do you think are must-haves for the fancy apartment? Women seem to like having plants around, so I'm thinking plants for the balcony and maybe a nice record player. All right. Uh, let me run something by you, uh, my man. This is just something for you to consider. Because I'm assuming if you're saying that you got your first expensive apartment, if it's really as expensive as you seem to be intimating, um, then I'm imagining that you are at the very least in your mid-20s, probably closer to your late 20s, early 30s. This is is what I'm guessing. All right? I could be wrong. If that's the case, at this point in your life, if she, okay, so I'll walk you through this in a different way. I will walk you through this via personal experience. So when I moved to Miami, that was the first time that I had gotten like the fly pad like i had a house in durham that when i got it was pretty fly but like we talking about something different here now right i was on the beach had a wraparound balcony you know what i'm saying i had marble floors i had all this stuff i had to join the bathroom to shoot the water in your booty i was doing a lot i was in a good place you know what i mean and the whole time I was thinking, like, yeah, you know, and that's the thing, man. Uh, you know, and women gonna love you, you know, they this is gonna make the women love, you know, all that stuff, right? And then it dawned on me. I stopped and I asked myself, at that point, I was 32, I was turning 33 that fall. And I really stopped and thought, like, If she made the decision to come up to my apartment, then chances are that decision was already made. All I can do at this point is mess it up. And look, that's always possible. But uh, she probably wasn't coming upstairs in all likelihood unless the work that you're expecting your apartment to do had not already been done. So what I recommend to you is get some help decorating the place. You know what I mean? But you don't have to do anything specifically because you think women will like it. Because you know why? Because if you get to a point Where you have a woman that you also really like. There's a good chance that she will be making these decorating decisions for you. I mean, you can stop if you you, 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 like like you can stop her from doing that if you want. But it's probably not going to be worth it. It's probably not. So like you can go pick out the stuff. You're not going to do a very good job of it in all likelihood. Like if you asking me for advice on it, you're not going to do a very good job of this. Like you ain't, you might not embarrass yourself, but you're probably not going to do very well. You know what I mean? So if I was you, if you ain't got the money to pay somebody to do that decorating, you know, don't like, yeah, get some stuff for the walls or whatever it is, you know, like, you know, don't get, don't be, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't put like a, like, like a George Gervin post on the wall or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I ain't saying that you need to do that, but you know, you ain't got to you ain't got to do it all. You ain't got to do the most. Cuz by the time it really matters if you've done the most, 
yeah, somebody going to do it for you. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. I heard Maya is going to be on the next Versus. Can we officially put this to bed if we're not going to get anything better short of battle rap or at least sing-offs? How many songs she got? Like, serious question. How many songs she got? Like, who you going to put her against? Like, Christina Milian? Which one of them did my love is like, whoa? Because I feel like they were basically the same person at that time, and I can never remember which one did. And not only with Maya, it's like how many songs she got, how many jams she got. Because I really only can think of one that I consider to be a jam. In fact, like if you want to call it two, it's the same one. The jam is the Best of Me remix. And I guess the jam would be the Best of Me, except isn't Best of Me the one that had uh, your boy uh, Vashon on it? I think blah, 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 roll with me. Isn't that the one? Maybe if you said that, roll with me. Ain't that how Silk was rapping? Roll with me. Oh, moving on has Silk on it. Hold up. My man Jay Pierce said moving on had the second wackest rapper ever on it. And he's making Silk the second. Jay Pierce, who you got as number one is the wackest rapper ever if you got Silk the Shocker as number two. Oh, he said, no, no, no. He's saying that uh, something. No, no, no. Who's saying, come on, JP, I need you right now. Oh, Magoo. Who, 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 who? You know what? How about this? You talk about you don't know if, like, we get into the bottom of the barrel if we doing the verses with Maya. Well, why don't we take the verses and flip it up and go all the way to the bottom of the barrel and have, like, a battle between Silk and Magoo? Except don't nobody tell them that we over here laughing. Um, hold on. Who is this? Who is this that said this? A person called himself Yo Fave Cousin said that Magoo had bars. What do you mean he had bars? Is that where he invested his money? Like after he got his, his checks, he went and bought some, you know, opened a couple of bars. Is that what you're talking about? Like, I, I really think that like Silk and Magoo is a hell of a battle on this. And by the way, both both of these guys have platinum records. Like, anytime we want to start talking about how the kids are whack and they ain't got no concern for quality, both these dudes went platinum, right? I think Silk Shocker went platinum, like, multiple times. Um, but, so here's the thing. At least I could argue that Silk was at least, like, trying to be ambitious. You know, he was trying to elevate the game. Like, he was trying to take it to a different place like you know you think about all the way you know the fast rapping everybody trying silk silk was trying to be smoother with it you know what i mean right like he was trying to take that busy bone flow i'm trying to you know all i'm saying is you got to admit that silk was trying like he wasn't very good but he was trying your boy magoo was just conventionally whack like his shit just didn't make any sense and the worst thing about it with magoo was it wasn't like he was bad he was just whack. Does that make sense? I, like his whole steez. His whole steez was just whack. Tyler said Craig Mack is the wackest rapper. And I'm, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But Magoo, like, the thing that's so wild about Magoo when you think about it is, like, He's supposed to be CL Smooth. Like, his job was supposed to be to carry the, the producer who everybody, you know, the big black kahuna. Remember that? I'm coming, baby, like the big black kahuna. See, a black man did from the white man powder. See, a white man did from the black man power. Remember that? Like Magoo was supposed to be the 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 the, the rhymer to carry that. Like at least with the big timers, the big timers was a mutual appreciation for the fact that neither one of them could really rap. And Baby eventually turned himself into a passable rapper. Like certainly not a great one, but he turned himself into like a passable rapper. Um, 
But, oh, man, Magoo, no, he wasn't doing that. And, 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 to be fair to Silk, Silk, no. You know what, in fact, Silk brother was so good to him because once they figured out that him and Mystical kind of had a thing together, Silk on some class, like Silk on some jams when Mystical was at it, you know, what you, what's the word? My, it ain't my fault. Yo, it ain't my fault. It's the jam. Uh, I'm, you know, the, the soldier track I'll charge to the game. That was a jam. That was a jam. It was. He's so sorry, though. All right. My man Kyle says, are you aware that Garth is Garth Brooks' middle name? If not, you should give that a quick Google, as pretty sure his first name will bring you a lot of joy. Let's look it up. All right, guys. Whoa. Troyal? T-R-O-Y-A-L, like Royal, except like, so it's kind of like Draymond Green kind of, right? Where you just kind of throw something up in the front. And hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. His daddy's name is also Troyal. His daddy was Troll Raymond Brooks Jr. So that means that Garth Brooks' granddaddy's name was also Troyal. He is the third Troyal. Let me find out if he named one of his kids Troll. Oh, they didn't. But listen to this. They had three daughters. And the first daughter's name is Taylor, which, if you rearrange the letters, spells troll. Shout out to you, Kyle. This brought every bit of joy that you would have hoped that it would have brought. Did you watch any of the conversation between Candace Owens and Mark Lamont Hill? Where, where did this conversation take place? How did this conversation take place? Like, can somebody fill me in on this? I was unaware of this thing at all. Anybody? Well, while you fill me in on, like, where this conversation took place, the circumstances behind the conversation, or whatever it is, I will tell you a story that perhaps only some of you like OG Twitter types will remember. I see that Brian in the chat here in the chat room remembers this story, but I am going to tell this story. I like Mark. I don't really know Mark, but he seemed cool enough. But that doesn't change like what happens with this story. And somebody asked if I was going to make fun of him for going to Morehouse. And no, I'm not going to do that. Mark was actually at Morehouse at the same time I was at Clark. I didn't know him. Which is actually interesting because I had a roommate from Philly and like all the dudes in Philadelphia knew each other. Um, but anyway, so one day when Mark worked at uh, the Huffington Post, he's doing Huffington Post Live and we were talking about Outcast, And Mark said that he thought that Big Boy was like Chris Bosh of the crew. Like, this is at the time when the Heat was playing together, LeBron and Dwayne Wade. And he said the big boy was like Chris Bosh compared to Andre's LeBron. And, you know, there was a bunch of Outcast fans. We wasn't having it, right? We went hard on him about that. Um, and so, anyway, that's just context for you. And so, I wake up one morning. This is a Sunday morning, as I recall. And I wake up one morning and I see in my mentions something has happened or I see on Twitter something has happened. So first, Mark sent a tweet that said, because um, if you went to any of the 2014 Outcast shows, they would be a stretch where like Andre would do his solo songs and Big Boy would do his solo songs. And so it was time for Big Boy to do his solo songs and Mark said um uh, now it's time for big boy set um or for me 
time to go like get something to drink, go to the bathroom, you know, get a hot dog, something like that. So Mark sends this tweet because he's at this Outcast concert, right? Then there's another tweet that comes from Mark. And that tweet says, Big Boy just called me a bitch from the stage. That really happened. That really happened. He said they got to the end of Roses, which is wild misogynistic in retrospect as a song, by the way. They said he gets to the Roses, and, you know, the end of Roses, they start, you know, calling people all kinds of bitches at the end. Old stupid ass. You know, they get to all of that. And apparently at some point he goes, oh, Mark LeBay Hill. He goes from the stage, which I have to say, woo! I can't imagine how that felt. That had to feel terrible. I actually have, I got an ache for Mark on that. I can't imagine. Like, it seems that he actually likes Big Boy. Like, Chris Bosh is going into Hall of Fame, you know? He likes Big Boy, uh, but he, he tried to shine. And I don't know if somebody told Big Boy, like, while he was out there or, like, during the Andre set to Mark Lamont Hill, um, he said that, and so yeah, he 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 called him a he called him a bitch uh, uh, from the stage, and so to this day, I don't know why Mark told us that. Like there was there was there was no way in the world that if Big Boy calls me a bitch, I'm telling I'm not telling y'all about it. Um, not especially not immediately. Like it might be a story I tell you down the line. Um, but oh no, no, no. So that happened. And then, you know, Mark was trying to go on the I was just playing kick because apparently he had, yeah, I think he had put it in my mentions. And so he just trying to say he was playing, you know, and joking, but he's like, um, you know, this is just a joke between me and Bomani. Now, as many of you know, I am a giant, giant big boy fan. I am a huge Big Boy fan. I remember how I felt when I realized that Big Boy followed me on the tweets. Like, I got Big Boy's phone number. It makes me feel very good to be able to say that, you know? Mark talk about, I'm just joking with Bomani. I'm like, whoa, partner, I was asleep. I wasn't involved in any of these chuckles. As I recall, this concert was uh, in Los Angeles. Like, it was on Pacific time. Oh, no, 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 no. You weren't joking with me about nothing. I was not involved in that joke at all. I left that dude out there entirely by himself, and I would do it again. No, no. If I got to take sides with you or big boy. It's big boy. No question. I, I, I don't know what will change that. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm out of this. I'm out of this. I, I detached completely from that situation. Like, I don't even think at that time that people had gotten around to using that gif of the dudes that, you know, and he kind of turns and walks away. Like, I don't even know if people would use that at that time, but that would have been perfect right there. And the homie Brian got it right in the chat room. Couldn't be me. Not me. It could not. Somebody else in the chat room said, my name Bennett. I think I might have said that on the tweets. I was like, no, nah, Bennett, man. <laughs> name Bennett. And I ain't in it. <laughs> my name Paul. And that's between y'all. I have no <laughs> That was so funny. Uh, years to six years later, I'm still laughing at that. Like, I just I, mean, I just remember reading Big Boy called me a bitch. And I will never be able to not laugh at that moment. That is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. I just, I mean, like the moment that he hit me, I think I spent the whole morning on the phone. Like, we just could not stop laughing at that. Anyway, um, back to the other part. So apparently Candace Owens and Mark Lamont Hill were talking on YouTube. Hell no, I did not watch that. I'm not watching Candace Owens do anything. No, I'm not. Why? Like, I'm just curious. Why? Like, what's there to watch for? Like, do you want to watch, like, are you a person that's watching to see her dunk, get dunked on by somebody or something like that? Like, is that what you're doing it for? I just, I don't, I don't find what she has to say interesting. I don't find what she has to say compelling. Um, at least in the small snippets of what I've seen and what she's had to say, because quite honest, I ain't really seen that much that she has to say. You know, like I almost need to be like, I can't even pass a certain level of judgment on her because I'm just not consuming her content. You know, are y'all? 
Like, I'm very curious about that. Like, I don't know who exactly it is that watches or consumes whatever it is that she produces. Um, are like, are there people of you who like hate watch her? Because I'm not in the business of doing that kind of thing. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. With all these videos of people wilding out on minimum wage employees who tell them to wear a mask, why is it the responsibility of the employees to police the mask rule? Getting a paycheck isn't worth uh, taking a punch. Um, I think that's a fair question, but I don't really know who's supposed to do it. Like, do you think the manager's supposed to do it? Because I guess that's a fair point that the manager's supposed to do it. But I'll be honest with you. I feel like the employees doing it is probably for the best for them because they're the people who are the most vulnerable. Like I'm sure they don't want the responsibility of enforcing it, but I bet they down to do it. Damn it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo man, you can't come in here. Like they looking out for themselves in that case. Most of these places, like it's not like they necessarily have money to just post a security guard up there. Right. They can't really do it. See, I read this at first and I was viewing this differently than the way that you said it, because you're talking about um, getting a paycheck isn't worth taking a punch. You viewing this through a much different lens than I am. Like, I remember when I worked at the Gap, there used to be this dude named Tori. Uh, when I used to do like work in a stock room and talking to Tori, Tori always worked in the back. And I'm convinced that Tori always worked in the back. because Some people just ain't really got the personality and temperament to be working in the front. Right. They just not like, and Tori was one of those people. And I remember Tori was talking about it and he was just talking about, look, man, them cats, you know, they, they're talking crazy to you. Sometimes you need to look at them and you just need to say, hey, I will lose my job for this. Which is to say that this is going far enough where I don't care that much about this job. I'll give it to you. You know, you're talking about, you're like, you worried about these employees getting punched. No, nah, man, the people that need to be worried about getting punched are these people that refuse to wear these masks. Because they're operating as though nobody will punch them. Like, if you go punch the minimum wage employee that's working at the quick trip, that's trying to get you at the door, that dude at the quick trip, when he made the decision to walk over there to you, he knew it was po- he knew at that moment it was possible you might swing on him. Like, that dude knew the second he had to come around his own register that he needed to be prepared for what might happen. That dude at that door, he acting like somebody won't sock him because that person is a minimum wage employee. You see what I'm saying? Like, the non-mass people, they the ones I feel like they need to watch out in this. Like, I mean, I do, like, I certainly ache for the people that got to work these jobs or they got to put themselves at risk like that. But the person that's at risk of getting his ass whooped is the one that's out here endangering people. Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Will there be an honest reckoning about the legacy of Louis Farrakhan in our lifetime? Like, what makes you think there isn't an honest reckoning about his legacy now? Like, this is thing about, like, the one thing that gets me about the way that people talk about Farrakhan, like, you ever walk into somebody's grandma's house and see a picture of Farrakhan on the wall? Like, and that person wasn't, like, a Muslim, and specifically one of those Muslims? Have you ever seen anybody do that? Like, somehow there's been this, there's this idea, this perception that somehow Farrakhan is a hero to a lot more people than he actually is. Like, I swear to you. That dude ain't as big a deal as people want to act like he is. He's not. It's dead up, by and large. Um, I don't really hear black people talk about Farrakhan too much unless white people mad at him. Then it come up all the time. Like, There's more people that's on board with him probably than I may have realized, but it ain't no critical mass of people. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. What the hell is Tyler Kweli's problem? I don't have an answer for you on that. Like, I really don't. Like, I'm going to just answer it here. Like, I would put it on the Twitter timeline as it goes, but you know how that'll end up going. Um, I just... I ain't got no fight I'm willing to put forth on the internet for two weeks. That's before we start talking about all the targeting and everything else that's going along with it. I'm just talking about the very idea that this one fight is something that I am going to take up via all those quotes for two weeks. Waking up, getting right back for two 
weeks. That is one of the more absurd things that I've ever seen. But one thing I've noticed is I keep seeing people make this point. They're like, yo, where are the where are the people in Talib Kweli's life to say something to him about, you know, say something about this? And I've seen people make that same point about Kanye, right? Like, where are you to, you know, where, why, you know, why, why, why don't, why don't they do something to make him stop? Like, have you never met a grown man before? Like, I'm a little lost at this idea that everybody thinks that, like, all it's going to take to get Kweli to stop is somebody to call him and be like, hey, dog, you tripping right now? Oh man, you right. Like you think that's you think that's what's gonna like you think that's gonna work, or you don't think for a second that other people have tried this before? Like, look, I've been out and had people talk to me about his tweet, like industry type people. They were like, "Yo, man, we kind of you know we wish he would tone it down." Like, I imagine that somebody's talked to him. I I can tell you this: when I had to back and forth with him that one time a few years ago, a big part of why I slowed down was because somebody intervened. However. That was like five years ago. I imagine that whoever intervened in that case has probably given up on trying to get him to intervene. Like, you can't put this stuff off on anybody else and be like, yo, why don't y'all make him stop? How? What you gonna do? Go to his house and tackle him? Like, this dude's operating on a scale that's so severe that, like, ain't nobody gonna be able to stop him. Now, you can raise the question as to whether or not cats need to decide whether or not they still want to kick it with him. I guess that's a different discussion. But ain't nobody, ain't nobody making him do nothing. He must be crazy. Somebody asked if he sent bots on me. Um, I have seen this thing where it seems like Quali's sending bots at people. I don't think his, his, his Twitter game wasn't that advanced back then. He, he had not gotten to that point. Because trust me, I feel like if, if he did have that level of game at that time, he would have. Because I don't know about you. But if I was as mad as he was that day at me for saying that Big Boy was better than him, but not atting him in the process because he felt that was disrespectful, and then he went to search all the other things I'd ever said about him, and he said I've been banging on him for years, and I had been saying that I thought his music was boring. You know, that could be the case from time to time. Uh, you know, like that sort of thing did happen. I just know that if I was as mad as he at the very least appeared to be while all of that is going on, and then the dude I'm mad at sends me a YouTube link to Emotional by Carl Thomas. I I, I personally would have gone. I'd have either had to go through the roof or that would have been my sign that I just had to chill everything out. That's me. You know, and, and, and as this comes up, I've seen people have my back and forth with him as an example of him being ridiculous. His back and forth with me had nothing on what's going on right now. Like what he is doing right now is absurd on a completely different level, right? Like I just thought that he was being a little whiny when he was dealing with me. Like I think what he's dealing with this young woman is absolutely like problematic and toxic. I just thought he was being a little sensitive on my end. Like he was being sensitive on my end to the point that I remember that we did the Evening Jones that week and I didn't even really want to say nothing about it, right? Because I just kind of wanted that to go away. Um, it's something completely different that's going on with this right now. All right, let me see what else we got here. How long before Meg the Stallion tells the whole story? When they put on the stand, <laughs> that's when. Like, the only way you're going to get a whole story out of her is when you put her on the stand. She shouldn't be giving no full story to y'all right now. Yo, they got, there's an there's a open case. A dude that shot her apparently is still walking the streets. When are we going to get the full story? What are you talking about? Does any artist have a better six-album run than Kanye from College Dropout to Yeezus? And how do we reconcile that musical output with all that's happened since? Yes, an artist has a better six-album run than Kanye from College Dropout to Yeezus. That artist is outcast because if you're going to put Yeezus on, then I don't want to hear any of your Idlewild slander because Idlewild got more heat on it than Yeezus does. Like, Idlewild's got some shortcomings because of Andre trying to sing, but it's a better record than Yeezus is. And the first five Outkast albums are better than the first five Kanye albums. Um, so there is that. Number two, how do we reconcile that musical output with all that's happened since? It's very simple how you reconcile it. You don't. That's how this dude who used to make really good music says a bunch of crazy stuff now. What's difficult about saying that sentence? 
Like people turn this thing with Kanye into something that's far more complex than it actually is. What you have is a dude who made music that you really, 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 really liked, and then something flipped and he started talking ridiculously, and the music got whacked. Two things that you cannot do at the same time. That's not going to work that way. That's not going to work at all. I got to be honest with you. A lot of my favorite artists at various points have struggled with their mental faculties at points, their mental health. They've had those struggles. And you know what a lot of them managed to do? They managed to somehow focus that and make great music, right? Sometimes the great music is about the struggles that they had. Sometimes it wasn't, right? Kanye is not giving us any good music in this time. If he was giving us good music in this time, I honestly think that to a degree he wouldn't be acting the way he is right now. Because something I think that he has to be pretty aware of is that the music he's been giving us is not good. And for somebody who holds so much of his self-image in line with the music that he makes, if he ain't got it no more, then he knows he ain't got it no more. And that's got to be rough on top of everything else. Yo, so this is wild, right? Like I got a ring light now, so I'm trying to give y'all the best of me. And out of nowhere, like the light, like, I don't know if it got brighter or because something happened like out of nowhere. And I'm like, yo, but I don't want to get up and turn it down. All right. Appreciate the questions. See what else you got here. Should Will Smith feel ashamed about being clown if the rumors we heard about his entanglements are true? Let me ask you a question. Just curious. You know, I don't know anything about you, Thomas. What you get down is where you're from, what you value. I don't know any of those things. And you might be like the baddest dude in the world. You might be the most well-known dude in the world. You may be the most likable dude in the world. You may be the coolest dude in the world. You may be the toughest dude in the world. I don't know any of these things, right? I just want to ask you this question. And you, you be honest with yourself in this answer, okay? If you were Will Smith, would you give a damn about what Thomas thought? I'm just curious. Just curious. Only thing that I got judgment for Will Smith on about this is you let me know. If I'm being unfair, you let me know if I'm tripping. You let me know if I just don't understand what marriage is, right? I just don't understand why that man had to go sit at the red table. Why did he have to do that? Why do I have to be here? for this clearly none of this has anything to do with me why am i here that's the only place i look at will and i'm like mm, i feel like you shouldn't have had to go through that Got to put your foot down. Who would have pants in this house anyway? <laughs> Are you shocked to see Chappelle hanging with Kanye after the presidential run announcement? No, not at all. Like, have you been paying any attention to Dave's work? Dave's not a dude that's going to cut you off for saying something crazy. You got to remember, man, comedians got a real high tolerance on this stuff. Dave's not a dude that's going to cut you off for that. Dave's the dude that's going to fly to Wyoming and find out what the hell is wrong with you. Like that's what that seems to be. All right, get one more in before we wrap this up. Have you ever suffered from even a light case of imposter syndrome? I mean, yeah, I suppose. Um, I'll tell you this story about me. It's one of my dad's favorite stories about me. I may have told you this story before. But uh, when I was little, uh, I used to swim. He was just swimming me. Like, I wasn't no, like, real competitive swimmer. I don't want to, like, 
misrepresented, but for whatever reason, we were competing in swimming meets, right? Like I went to a little revolutionary uh, school and the thing about the revolutionary school, they getting you ready for everything. They was going to make sure our black asses could swim. White man wasn't going to get us like that. We even took a little few self-defense courses. Like it's a whole different situation with them. You know, though, if you know, you know, right? So anyway, we used to always just push off the wall when we would swim um, at the races I'd gone to before. But I get to this meet and I got to jump off the block. And I was like, Ugh. oh, what's going on here, right? I had never seen that before. And so they had us all get on the blocks. And then they said, ready, set, go. And I jumped off the block and I got in the pool and I swam. I don't know where I finished in the race or anything like that. But I just remember we were walking back to the car. And my daddy was very proud of me that I had overcome uh, this obstacle. And I looked up at my dad and was like, didn't have a choice. And just kept all moving. Like, I was not nearly as proud of me as my dad was of me in that moment. Which is to say, that's kind of my feeling a lot of times on imposter syndrome. I do remember, like, being terrified the first time I was in a locker room. But I didn't feel like I was an imposter. I felt like nobody told me how to do this. I didn't know what the job was. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, Like, writing. When I write something for, like, a really big, like, well-known publication... Like I got a project right now I'm working on that's kind of like this. I'm kind of like, am I supposed to be here? Like I do, I do raise the question about whether or not I'm supposed to be here. But I also recognize that once I'm there, that supposed to part just doesn't matter at all, right? Am I not supposed to be here? Somebody let me in. And I got to be honest with you. I've been a lot of places I wasn't supposed to be. That's when I had some of the best times ever. Did I ever tell you about the time that me and my little brother James snuck into a lingerie fashion show? Have I ever told you guys this story? If not, I will tell this story, right? And I got no problem putting James' name in it. For those of you who don't know, uh, James Davis, he did a show on Comedy Central called Hooded Jason, uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, I call James my little brother. I've known James since he was 17 years old, and like he really is like in my life. He's like my little brother. And part of how he came to be like my little brother is that uh, – when I was, I met him when I was in grad school. Like I was in, in my first year of grad school at Claremont and he was a freshman at Pomona. And so um, I remember I had started doing like movie reviews and he had talked about how he wanted to get into the business and stuff. And so if I would have a screening, you know, I could get in and see a movie, you know, a movie early or whatever, I would always bring him. And so um, one time I picked him up and we rolled down to, uh, we rolled down, this is like spot off sunset. And we go to the screening and we watched a movie. And then after we watched a movie, we, which I think was Friday after next. Yeah, it was Friday after next, right? So we go see Friday after next, go back to the car. I left the lights on. And so now the battery's dead, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, damn. And so I'm calling insurance, you know, get a tow truck, you know, come give me a jump, all of that stuff. But while we're down there, James, keep in mind, James is 18 at this point and I'm 22. James is like, yo, I think I just saw the bishop roll past. Talking about Bishop Don Magic Wand. And I asked him, I said, is it a green Cadillac with Illinois plates? And he goes, yeah, because I'd been somewhere and seen the bishop's car. And I was like, yeah, that's him. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to see where he's going. Okay, cool. Because I'm just, I'm still waiting on the tow truck. Um. So while I'm waiting on the tow truck, he sees the bishop. He follows the bishop. And uh, he sees where the bishop goes and he finds his back door and he gets in and he calls me and he's like, dog, it's a lingerie fashion show. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yes, it is a lingerie fashion show. I'm like, cool. Well, look, hold it down. Um, I got to wait for this tow truck. But after the tow truck, I'm going to holler at you and I'm going to need you to come get me. And he says, cool. So the tow truck came, uh, gave me the jump. I stayed there and let the car run for a little while, you know, because I got to get I got to get juice back in the battery. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just turn it off and walk in. Uh, And so I get the juice back and I hit him. I'm like, yo, what's going on? Okay, so he tells me where to go. And I walk by and I stand by this door 
and he pops it open and I sneak in the back door. And it is a lingerie fashion show, right? Like it's a crazy, like only in LA type situation. You look over, you see the Bishop. He got one-on-one arm. He had the green and gold suit action going and like the big and the glasses and everything else. And James is in there. Keep in mind, it's 2002. James is in there with a bubble coat. Yes, we are in L.A., and he's wearing a bubble coat. A bubble coat, a Randy Moss jersey, some jeans, and some tennis shoes. I'm in there in a Gap hoodie, like with with the the Gap across it, like the fleece joint, with some cargo khaki pads and some, like, uh, rust-colored Tims. Neither of us with any plan to go anywhere, but we in there, right? Now, the thing is, I spent my entire time in college being underage, and so I knew all the things that you had to do if you was going to be in a spot and you're not old enough to be in there. So we're in there, and we're underdressed. And I'm like, look, 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 man, look, man. Because he didn't drink. He was 18, right? I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you this right now. Like, this is just what it is. They will not kick us out if we drink. Like, if, we, if you got a drink in your hand, they will not kick you out of here. We just got to keep, we got to spend money, right? Then let's stay here. We spend money. And so I got him his first drink. I forget what drink I got. And we just posted up underdressed as hell at a lingerie fashion show. I don't remember anything else after that moment, to be perfectly honest. But I do remember I was definitely suffering from a mean case of imposter syndrome there. And I guess I was suffering from imposter syndrome that time I tried to sneak into the Super Bowl. And you know why I suffered from imposter syndrome that time I tried to sneak into the Super Bowl? Because I was pretending to be somebody that I wasn't. I was an actual imposter. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Even Jones. Do this thing about once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch The Even Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. I mean, yeah, The Even Jones live. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We're also at the Google Play Store. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.